on Love Struck today, I'm bringing a message that I've titled, Loving in Hostile Territory. Loving in Hostile Territories. Loving in Hostile Territories. Then I must say this for you to apply your heart uh, very well to this message, that this message in some way will be prophetic to some of us, uh, whether to give you a perspective to what you are going through right now, or to give you a perspective to what will be happening not too long from now. Yeah. Maybe somebody, God wants to prepare you for a season in your life. Maybe somebody here, God wants to give you a perspective to a past season in your life where you experience high level of hostility. For some other person in this service this morning, God is giving you a perspective to what you are going through right now. Now, as you listen this morning, wherever you may be joining us from, I want you to make up your mind that you're going to take the word of God as absolute authority over your life and you're just going to leave it out and engage. And engage. Because the message I'm preaching this morning is kind of message you can preach, I mean you can hear and pass it to your neighbor. and say, Pastor is talking about you, not me. You become a bus conductor in the service where you're just conducting the message to, or you say, I'll keep that one, I'll give it to my husband when I get home because he's not here this morning. Praise God. I said, Praise God. Loving in hostile territories. Loving in hostile territories. We're going to take a look at the life of Brother Joe, Joseph, the dreamer in the Bible, and, if, and one or two other characters. And I'm going to try to help each and every one of us to find ourselves. Because there may be many Josephs in this service this morning who have had a dream or a vision. And that vision has resulted into you uh, experiencing some level of hostility, some measure of envy. People trying to shut doors against you. This is your word today. Glory be to Jesus. Genesis 37. Let's start from there. New Living Translation, Genesis 37 from verse number one. Genesis 37. Praise God. From verse number one, just, I just want to... Uh, Quickly breeze through this, this passage. So the Bible says, Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family when Joseph was 17 years old. He often tended his father's flock. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wife, Bilhah, and Zephyr. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing, just like any young junior brother would do. I don't know about you. I am number five from six of us. So I had two brothers and two sisters ahead of me. When I was younger, we, myself and my younger sister, we were the To say, this person did that, that we couldn't do anything. 
So they were doing a lot. You know, they were. <laughs> so they, they were enjoying themselves and doing stuff that our parents said they should not do. We were the ones that would go and report to just say, ah, hmm, but that's so and so did this. Sister so and so did this. That was the situation that Joseph was at that time. Just telling his dad, ah, Reuben did that. Uh, this one did that. You know, Benjamin did this, you know, and all that. All right. I want you to follow me very carefully. There are two reasons or two things that happened in the life of Joseph that brought hostility, envy, and jealousy. One, his father chose to love him or like him just because he was the son of his old age. Joseph did not do anything to be born at the time that he was born. He could have been the firstborn, the secondborn, or the thirdborn, but lo and behold, God delayed his coming. Sometimes, there will be no reason for people to be hostile to you, but they will choose to be hostile. So the Bible says, Jacob loved, verse 3, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Sometimes, just the fact that God's favor and God's blessings are showing in your life is enough for some people to say, you're not going to have peace. And to just set up all kinds of behavior that will create a hostile environment around you. Now, as if that was not enough, his father loved him, not because of anything, but just because he was born to him when he was old. Yeah. He was not even like he was a good boy. That was why he loved him. <laughs> he just loved him for something that has nothing to do with him. Now, as if that was not enough, verse 5. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dreamer. He said, we were out in the field. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and my bundles all gathered, your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us. And they hated him all the more because of his dream and the way he talked about them. You know, if you read this passage, you can say, be careful who you share your dreams with. But whether you like it or not, in life, there are dreams you have to share. Yeah. It's not every dream you have to share, but there are dreams you have to share. You are not in control of other people's emotion and how they will perceive what you are saying. So, Jacob, I mean, sorry, Joseph was hated, one, because his father loved him, two, because he, was, he had all kinds of ideas. He had vision. He wanted to do stuff with his life. 
How many 17-year-olds will have a dream of greatness and remember and document to the point that they could share it accurately? Joseph was one of, I mean, that kind of person. And instead of celebrating him for his aspirational capacity, <laughs> or uh, just encouraging him, they became hostile towards him. Praise God. I said praise God. So two reasons why Jacob, I mean Joseph, was hated. One, his father loved him because he was the son of his old age. Two, God gave him dreams. He didn't manufacture them. Yeah. The two were things that were outside of his control. Yet, it engendered hostility and hatred and envy. My brother, my sister, if you're going through any form of hostility right now, envy, hatred, and all that, please, I need you to understand. I know a lot of the time we want to check ourselves. Is that something I'm doing wrong? Sometimes we may be doing something wrong, but not all the time. Sometimes people just make up their mind on what they want to do whether instigated by the devil or just uh, because they are uncomfortable with what is going on in your life. All we're saying this morning is that God wants us to love people even in the atmosphere of hostility. In Psalm 69, verse number 4, a psalm of David, David made a statement there. When I meditated on it, I, I, I was almost, almost crying for him because for somebody to say this out, the person is going through a very deep situation. He said, those who hate me without a cause outnumber the hair, the hair on my head. As in, it means at this point, David must have been going through hell. Am I saying the truth? Yes. Yeah. For you to just conclude that, ah, the people who hate me in this world, they are more than the hair on my head. And when you read Psalm 69, you see how David was just praying. How he was praying. But towards the end of Psalm 69, he vexed. And he prayed that God would deal with his enemies. No, he didn't pray that God would kill them. Just that he should deal with them. But when you read, before he started vexing, he was praying for God to strengthen him, to shield him, to help him to walk in love. So if you read the whole of Psalm 69, I will encourage that you stay on the first part. Yes. Stay on the first part. And leave the latter part of it for David and God. It's between both of them. Yeah. Because David, though he prayed those prayers, but he didn't act them out. Because if you wanted God to kill your enemy, then you will not be in the presence of Saul when you have your shield and all that, I mean your, your, your sword and all that, and Saul was asleep. And he was the one after your own life. And you could have trusted the thing through him and just killed him once. And David said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. Yeah. It meant that the love of God was still flowing through his heart. And he believed that there's a redemptive part of this arrangement. If I help God and kill this guy, maybe God still wants to redeem him. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Glory be to God. Very quickly, Genesis 26. Let's check out another situation 
Because what was happening in the life of Joseph looked like a parallel to what happened in the life of Isaac in Genesis 26. Another very hostile situation. And what did Isaac do there in the midst of hostility? Sometimes you have very strong hostility in business. Envy. That was what Isaac had. This was a business case. Joseph's case was a family case. When siblings envy and arrange you to get into your destiny and they did not know that they're working for God. Are you still here, somebody? In the case of Isaac, it was the same. It was the same. Before I go into this case of Isaac, you need to understand something. What they did for Joseph was to say, look, we're going to put you in a situation where the dreams you're talking about will never come to pass. And to ensure that it will not come to pass, is either we kill you or send you into oblivion, where we will never see you again. If we don't see you again, how will your dream of us bowing down to you come to pass? But what they did not know is that the place of appointment, the place of the fulfillment of that dream, they were not aware of it. Do you know that if they understood that that dream would come to pass in Egypt, they won't sell him to slavery in that direction? Are you still with me today? They put him in a situation where he, he could never dream of any trajectory again for his life. From a loved child, the loved son of his father, to a commodity, a slave. A slave does not have trajectory. When somebody is sold into slavery, uh, trajectory ends there. You remain a commodity for the rest of your life. Yeah. And some people are listening to me this morning, maybe you're in a career path, that makes it look like there's no trajectory for you. It makes, it, it makes you feel like a slave sometimes. Because some people just decide they're playing you like chess, you know, on the chessboard, just push you there, push you there, push you there. They push you in places that you don't have anything to, you can't say anything about it. You know, you know it's a good place to be when your office can post you somewhere and say, I'm not going. And they say, so what are you going to do? Yeah, if you don't have any other place to, give, to post me, I'll, I'll get another job or I'll move on. And, but sometimes people's self-esteem has been so dealt with that whatever they post you, you just go. That is like modern-day slavery. And sometimes uh, some people engineer it because of the hatred that they have for you. They deal with you career-wise to the point where you, don't, you no longer have a say on your career trajectory. You just, you're just working like a slave. That was what happened to, to Joseph. From somebody who had a trajectory in his father's house, that his father loved him so much, was opening doors for him and, you know, giving him all kinds of gifts. Even God the Father showed him a dream of the trajectory of his life. This is where I'm taking you. This is how you're going. You're going up. They stepped him down to the point where if they didn't give him food, he cannot eat. If, when he woke up in the morning, he cannot say, this is what I'm doing today. The slave master is what determines who you, what you do today and where you will be today. Slavery is not funny. And Joseph experienced it because of the hatred of his brothers. Yeah. But yet, what they didn't know is that when God is at work in your life, and when you continue to walk in the path of love, you can't lose God's trajectory for your life. It may not look like it, but God is still working. And your trajectory is still upward. Is somebody stay with me today? So, in Genesis 26, Isaac 
had a similar uh, situation. Genesis 26 from about verse 12. Verse 12, the Bible described what was going on in Isaac's life when Isaac planted his crop that year. Verse, verse 12 of Genesis 26, New Living Translations. When Isaac planted his crop that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. For the Lord blessed him, he became a very rich man. His wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, heads of cattle and servants, that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wealth with death. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham. The things that he inherited, they destroyed it in his hands. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. You know, sometimes it's better for somebody, some people to speak to you and tell you how they feel about you. They're even better than people who don't speak at all. Yeah, and they go behind you. In all this, I wanted to watch Isaac's attitude, the way he comported himself, allowing the love of God to walk through him. What Isaac did here, as an Old Testament saint, is it, it, it can even be so difficult for those of us who are enjoying the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Because he looked away from many things and was just walking in love. Living in a hostile territory, but allowing the love of God to become pervasive in his heart towards the, the hostility and the objects of hostility and, and jealousy and envy. Verse 17, so Isaac moved away to Gera Valley, where he set up there, tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug with the Philistines at field after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names that Abraham had given them. So Isaac was revamping businesses and brands and just doing stuff, just trying to start again. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gera Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. So when they envy you and you keep loving, God keeps moving you to new territories where you'll find something greater than what you've had before. Can I get an amen to that? So, verse 20, the Bible says, But when the shepherd from Gera came and claimed the spring, this is our water. This is our water, they said. And they argued over it with Isaac's headsman. So Isaac named the well Isaac, which means argument. Verse 21, Isaac's man dug another well, but again there was a dispute over that, over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. <laughs> if you are following me, you, I, I think you should be feeling something right now, which is to say, Pastor, how do you mean? How can, how can I start something and somebody will come and claim it and I will just leave it? I didn't come to Lagos to count bridges now. I don't just leave it. I just leave it and walk away. Yeah, just walk away. But that was what Isaac did. There are situations where sometimes walking in love, 
you allow somebody to have their right of way. Yeah. They just allow, just take it and go. The reason why many Christians fight battles that are, that are not their own is that we react rather than responding based on revelation. Yeah. When you are not walking in love, it's tit for tat. An eye for an eye. I'm going to read a, a, a scripture right now to, to buttress that. When you are walking in love, you act based on revelation. You don't react to what people have done. Have done. Because there are situations where God will tell you, leave it. What I have for you is bigger. Leave it. And that's why I said this message may be prophetic to some people here this morning. Because somebody may be listening to me right now, and what God is telling you is, leave it. Leave it. What I have for you is bigger. That's a distraction for your destiny. Somebody wants to change the trajectory of your life. And you need to leave it and walk away. And allow me to lead you to a different place. If Isaac will not respond to God by leaving the fresh water that they're fighting on, he will not get to Rehoboth. There's a trajectory to Rehoboth, and that trajectory is fueled by love work. Are you still with me this morning? It's love work. It's love work. It's love work. You keep walking in love and listening to God and know when to fight and when to move on. Is somebody still with me? So the Bible says, Isaac's man, uh, sorry, verse 22, abandoning that, verse 22, abandoning that, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it, so Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space or spacious. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in the land. I pray for somebody here this morning. May God move you to your real boat. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. But on the way to your real boat, I pray that God will help you to walk in love. Amen. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So, from this point on, what happened was God just continued to bless Isaac to the point that Abimelech came and said, can we come into a contract with you? We see the blessing of God upon your life. When you read from verse 28 or 26 down, what you are going to see is Abimelech just asking him uh, for them to come into an agreement with him, to walk with him. So whether it's Isaac or Joseph, you see that their lives were epitomized by a strong walk with God even when the world around them was, was, was hostile and wicked. What happens is that you, you, you see them continue to walk in love. So whether at home, at work, whether with in-laws, because those are the things we deal with in this part of the world, whether it's something they call household wickedness, which is with siblings and family members, whether it's in the neighborhood, because sometimes, sometimes it's God, sometimes it's the devil. We just plant a neighbor that will make your life miserable. You know, it can be so, you can be so miserable that you'll be contemplating leaving the house that you bought because of a neighbor. Say, I'll, let me just pack out because this trouble is too much. But all that God is doing a lot of the time is to position us to stretch 
to practice love work so that we can grow. So that we can grow. As an heir turned slave, Joseph had every reason to be vengeful and bitter. But he refused to let hatred rent a space in his heart. Is hatred a tenant in your heart? Have you given a space out? It's time to eject the tenant and give that space to God. Because on our journey, our trajectory of destiny, love work is the only guarantee that we will stay in the will of God. Can I get an amen to that? So whether Joseph was in Potiphar's house or in prison, he kept working in love. He kept working in love. He kept working in love. That was how come when his brothers showed up in Genesis 45 and verse number 5, it was not difficult for him to make the statement, which I'll put in summary like this, you sold me, but God sent me. Don't be afraid. I won't hurt you. I have a redemptive perspective to what transpired between us. You, 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 you don't. That's why you are, you are in trepidation and fear right now that I'm going to kill you. I'm not going to kill you. Because you sold me, but God sent me. Yeah. You sold me, but God sent me. He said, come closer to me. Joseph said to his, his brothers. They came closer. said, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But don't feel bad, badly. Don't blame yourselves for selling me. God was behind it. Ah, may God give somebody a perspective Amen. that will tell you what God is doing behind the scene. You see what Joseph said? He said, God was behind it. Ah, I cannot hold you responsible. God was behind it. You are just agents. Yeah. And this time around, agents of God. No, you are doing evil, but you are agents of God. Because yeah. God can turn evil around for good. If Joseph's brothers knew that his dreams were going to be fulfilled in Egypt, they would not sell him in that direction. I hope you understand what I'm saying. If only they knew. The people who are conspiring against you now for you to lose your job, if only they knew what God has in mind, the trajectory. And you two, you are holding on, holding on, holding on. And God is saying, if you don't lose your hand, I will cause them to almost break that hand. Yeah. And rather than saying, Lord, let your will be done in my life, you are saying, Lord, let them fall down and die. So that you can keep holding on. <laughs> How somebody's following me this morning? May you pray the right prayer this season. May you get the right perspective this season. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Somebody's hearing me right now. You may be going through hell and high waters, whether with your business partner, your spouse, or a sibling, or a group of family members. I need you to understand that God has a redemptive perspective to the issues of our lives. And when we catch that redemptive perspective, our attitude will change. It will become easier, according to, you know, Romans 5 and verse 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom God has given unto us. Yeah. He said, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So our hope is not baseless. As we walk in love, hoping against hope, what we're saying is that perhaps God has something he wants to do in this situation. God has something to do in this situation. And when we give him the room, maybe his will will be done eventually. Is somebody say with me today? Glory be to Jesus.
as I start to, you know, tidy this up a couple of minutes, I need also also have a perspective. Sometimes we are the ones instigating hostility. Mm. Mm. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes we are the one inciting hostility. And we need to be mindful of that. I'm not supposed to incite hostility. How do, how do you mean, Pastor? This is what I mean. God just blessed you now, maybe with a, let's just use something simple, a car. And then you are listening to music, you wound down. You are driving within a small neighborhood, small estate. You are now listening to loud music, driving like that. Yeah. Yeah, from leg, 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 leg. Ah, it's true, that's what you do. I know. And then, and then you're going. And then you will say that somebody is envying you. When you are doing all that, what stops you from enjoying God's blessing without any. Oh. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. I live in Lagos, so don't think uh, I understand what is going on. Yeah. You see some people, small money, small, small. You will now have a party in your essay. Nobody will sleep until 2 a.m. Yeah. You say, what, what, they say, what are you doing? You say, ah, uh, you know, we're just celebrating God's goodness. Some people don't even have anything they're celebrating. Just call friends, just come. Money has come. Let's just... And then you now say people are envying you. Why would they envy you? I'm just saying that in the midst of what, what I'm teaching this morning, don't just don't, 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 don't put up behaviors that will make you be the one inciting hostility. Yeah. As a woman that is empowered, you're getting a raise. Your business is growing. Don't change your attitude towards your spouse. Yeah. And then say that uh, my, my spouse is against me. Yeah. Because I'm an empowered somebody. <laughs> the purpose of the empowerment is redemptive, not destructive. Yeah. Whether it's a man or a woman, God empowers us to redeem to rebuild, not to cause issues. That's what I'm saying. So we need to be careful. Glory be to Jesus. We need to be careful. Anytime you see God asking us to love in hostile territories, firstly, is to remind us that we hold love. It is not a suggestion, it's a command. Even the scripture says, oh, no man, nothing except to love them. That means if you don't love, you are holding something. Are you still with me today? Anywhere love has gone out, we have reduced the redemptive potential of that arrangement. Love has to remain in something for the power of God to flow through it, into it. Are you still with me today? Yeah. If I'm going through a terrible phase in my marriage, I need to keep loving 
if it will be redemptive at the end. Are you still hearing me? Yeah. And I, as a Christian in that marriage, if I will leverage the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, again, Romans 5, 5, hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. If I allow love to keep flowing, my hope will not be disappointed. But if I allow the devil to construct the love, I'm removing the capacity for redemption of that situation. Are you still with me today? So, also, it, love improves your character and causes you to grow up. Only immature, the immature, live by the mantra tit for tat. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14, the Bible says the love of God constrains us. If you don't allow the love of God to constrain you, you may not stretch and grow. The love of God constrains us to greet people who refuse to greet us. Because we cannot give, do tit for tat. The love of God constrains us not to do evil to the people who have done evil to us. Because we are living by revelation, they are living by reaction. Glory to Jesus. Love restores. Joseph's love walk reconciled him to his brothers and his father. Without love, there would not have been any restoration. And at the end of the day, all of God's investment would have been wasted. You can imagine if Joseph was waiting for them in Egypt. Rather than being the one that will redeem the whole nation of Israel, that eventually said, go and bring my father, bring everybody. Seventy people relocated to Egypt. 430 years later, two million were leaving Egypt with Moses leading them. God led them there to preserve them. Joseph was the preserver. Moses was the deliverer. Everyone has his own calling. If Joseph did not manage his heart to continue to love despite the wickedness that they did to him, he would never have been able to fulfill his calling as the preserver of Israel. The nation was incubated in Egypt. That's a message for another day. In the midst of hostility, God was incubating a whole nation. Only 70 people left Canaan for Egypt. Yeah. It's just amazing how God grows our capacity, grows us mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, even in the midst of a comfortable situation. But a lot of the time, we don't want to feel any level of discomfort. And anybody that brings discomfort to our life is an enemy from the feet of hell, and they must die. <laughs> love preserves God's purpose and your future. That's what love does. It preserves God's purpose. It preserves my future. Preserves my future. Preserves God's purpose. Walking out of love can derail your future. And in fact, the higher you rise, the more intense your love work needs to be. Yeah. Because the higher you rise, the easier it is for you to tip over. But love work will keep you straight. People will do stuff to you. Some environment will be extremely hostile. Let heaven always reckon with the fact that we have someone there who will shine the light of God's love. And in the midst of it all, that's the person that will say, I still love. I still want to love. So it makes you 
makes you light in the midst of darkness. And love is also a weapon of warfare. It never fails. Never fails. It never fails. When you choose not to love, you cut yourself off from the victory that is attained through love. That's what happens. You cut yourself off from the victory that is attained through love. There's no ending victory outside the boundary of love. Because love never fails. Love never fails. In any situation at all. In any situation at all. It may look like you are losing in the immediate, but you're going to gain. I mean, when you look at the life of Isaac, it looked like Isaac was losing as they were claiming all the things that belonged to him. But at the end of the day, what happened? It got into a spacious place. <laughs> the place that only God. If they knew that Isaac was going to get to Rehoboth, they would tell him, stay. Adam, Abimelech said, leave us. Go. Pushing him into his destiny. Somebody, I pray for you this week. May every hostility, every jealousy and envy continue to push you into your destiny. In the name of the Lord Jesus, may God give you perspectives. Perspectives. In the name of the Lord Jesus, may he open your eyes to see what he's doing. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Glory be to the Father. So, Pray for your enemies. <laughs> How to love those that hate us? Pray for them. Yeah. Matthew 5 and 44 says, pray for them. Not for, to fall down or die. Because all, all prayer, I mean, some people say all prayer and a prayer. Pastor said we should pray. That's not the kind of prayer that I said you should pray. If all the people that you offended prayed that you will fall down and die, will you still be alive? Is it not that you have, or you feel you haven't offended people before? Forgive them. That's what the scripture says. Don't retaliate. These are practical ways to walk in love in the midst of hostility. And help them in a time of trouble. Don't join the gang of people who say, God has caught my enemy. Yeah. Or when something bad happens to somebody that you're not favorably disposed towards or not favorably disposed towards, you say, ah, God catch him. Yeah. That's the mindset that we've been sold here. And it's wrong. Walking in love is to say, what, what would God want me to do about this situation? Sometimes you have to do it from afar because there are different kinds of people. Good people, and I pray God will bring good people your way. There are unreasonable people. There's nothing you do that can satisfy them. Unreasonable people are not wicked. They're just borderline. Borderline wickedness. There are wicked people who are out to hurt you. For such people, I pray today God will give you the wisdom to know how to relate with them from afar. Because you need to put a boundary in place. I haven't said all that I've said today that we need to love true. It doesn't mean that everybody must be within your space to love them. Some people are loved from a distance. Yeah. You love them from a distance. <laughs> because they want to do evil. Whilst God is still working in his redemptive capacity to redeem them, don't expose yourself to them. But if they need help, help them. Pray for them. Be nice from afar. 
Don't talk evil about them. That's what we're saying. Yeah. And for unreasonable people, sometimes you are firm, sometimes you give them some latitude. But sometimes you just say, look, this is what I can do, this is what I cannot do. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Simple. I mean, everybody can cope with good people. And goodness can never be too much. Yeah. Because true people, God's goodness, run after us. When it says goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life, uh, sometimes some people take that as their name in your life. To so say, I will be goodness to you, I will be mercy to you, and I will follow you. May God send such people your way this season. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus. In conclusion, there's no viable alternative to love. Search. Yeah. Search all the universe. Search all the books. Whether religious or unreligious book, such, there's no viable alternative to love. None in the world today. No viable alternative to love. If I fulfill my destiny, even when I go through situations that was, you know, seek to reduce my capacity to love, I must rise and say, I am born of God. And if I'm born of God, I am born of love. And the love of Christ is still in my heart. Because God is love, and whoever is born of God is born of love. And if you are born of love, it means that's our operating system. And we have to live it out true and true. Will you lift your two hands to Jesus today and begin to declare, I open up my heart afresh to live in the love of God, to operate in the love of God. I have enjoyed mercy, I will show mercy. Somebody may be praying today, Lord, heal my heart. I truly want to love. It's difficult, but help me. 